the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Perspective. Teaching. Conversation. This is Isaiah 61. Over the next half hour, you'll hear why the Lord provided those verses and how they can be used in witnessing, in the church, and in daily life as God's children. Now, here's your host of Isaiah 61 from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, Pastor Joe Sutton. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. This is Pastor Joe Sutton. Uh, Good to be back with you on a Saturday. Nice to see the uh, weather coming back again. I don't know. Last time this happened, it shifted on us, and uh, <laughs> and uh, we had we had this nice little snowfall that we had. It was good to get out there and uh, work one more time as a family. It was it was a great great challenge on on Sunday morning. Uh, we got up Sunday morning, had to dig the cars out, and after we dug the cars out, we ran over to church and started uh, snow blowing, get ready to have church and. Had to go dig a couple people out of their house to get them out. You know, it was it was a, uh, it was fun. As what I was telling uh, the young people, was, this is where legends are made. You know, <laughs> where were you at the April snowstorm? Well, we were at church. You know, as a nice handful of people, but it was it was a good time. It was a real good time. Um, you know, t- today I just wanted to just share a couple of things with you as we hit gear. You know, as for a lot of you, uh, you know, we've got tax season behind us. You know, I, I mean. Uh, you know, in my before I became a pastor, I was a tax accountant, and that's I kind of do that help people out when they get in a in a straight. And it's amazing to me how many people have great ideas uh, about businesses, and and they're real good at their craft, but they're lousy at uh, keeping track of money. And and so, no matter how great and talented they are. Uh, their business ends up failing because they really can't really don't really know how to handle um, the cash flow. They don't really understand uh, everything involved and therefore the business is up crushing and coming under. And I think it's the same thing true in our relationship with, with, with Christ. If we can uh, have our heart totally set on him and then we allow other things in our life, our, our inability to break free from certain habits or addictions and though our heart is gold, those other things come in and they, 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 they crush what we have. I want to uh, allude to a, 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 a scripture that is like a foundation scripture for our church. Uh, reason why we named the spirit of the Lord church from Isaiah 61 that says the spirit of the Lord is, is upon me. Right. And so, and he has anointed me to preach good news to heal the brokenhearted. Uh, set the captives free and release the prisoners. And uh, I just want to look at just the, the captive part. You know what I mean? When you look at a captive, some translations merge the two together, you know, because captives and prisoners both end up in the same place. They're in, they're in, they're in jail. They're locked up. They're, they're, they're bound. Uh, you know, one is bound because 
he has broken the law. The other one is bound because he's been captured in the war. You know what I mean? And so uh, I, I look at that. And in my, my lifetime, I see uh, people who are being held captive, you know, captive to some things. And, and especially when it comes to adapting to the word of God. I like how A.R. Bernard said it, that the reason why one of the reasons why God gave his people the law is because after 400 years in Egypt, they were Egyptians and they needed to understand the lifestyle of uh, of a child of God. And so therefore, God had to give them the law, these strict constraints in order for them to understand that they were no longer functioning under uh, the, the Egyptian code or rule, but they were functioning under his code a rule and though sometimes we 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 shriek at the law or, or, or get scared of the law and, and reject the law uh, some people do need the law i mean if you were always lawless and with no boundaries then you need to be given some boundaries you know what i mean you just can't say you know you can't tell a, a, a greedy man you know take you know make, make your own plate you know, I have a I have a child that he has to eat last, right? He has to rule in the house. He eats last because he has no respect for nobody else following him. <laughs> this, this cat, this cat will load up his plate. There could be five people eating, and there could be five portions. He's taking two or three portions. He's not thinking about the people that's coming after him. So when we let him back clean up, you're free to take everything after everybody else gets served. Cause you, you just he just doesn't know how to mentally look at something and say, oh, I, I need to divide this by four or five, you know, however many people are eating because he only thinks about one thing, what what he wants to do. So we had to give him a set of boundaries. You know, he has to eat last, you know what I mean? Because, you know, then he can clean up everything and, and, and do what he wants to do because he's um, failed at the ability of going in there thinking about <laughs> that there are people following him. He said, do you realize that uh, there's six of us? And there's only six pieces, you know, and he got two or three and he looked at, oh, I didn't know. You know what I mean? He just, cause he don't thinks about that. And so sometimes we, we need law. We need rules. We need, we need guidelines to, to keep us straight, to help us understand how to walk, how to walk this walk. And, and so I, I see people and, and it's easy to, to, to look at some of the big things that hold people captive, whether it's like lust or, uh, drugs, alcohol, you know, cigarettes, whatever it may be, you know, but then there's also some other things that, that, that hold people captive, things that, that I think that we, we, we have accepted in the body of Christ. And I just want to look at two of those and that's worry and fear, you know, and, you know, I, you, you probably heard the definition of fear is just, is the opposite of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things unseen and fear is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. And people allow their fear to hold them captive. What I mean by captive is they're no longer free to be an agent of change for the gospel. You know, Miles Monroe said it best this way. And, you know, I had to uh, borrow this saying, and I use it with my young people, that we turn followers into leaders and leaders into agents of change. It, it 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 doesn't matter if I turn this follower into a leader, if that leader is not going to then become an agent for change in his or her profession or society or family or whatever it is. If he just 
changes and he just leaves it to himself and keeps everything to himself and then never longs and goes out and makes an impact then it 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 does it does the earth no good it does society no good you know the great commission you know is this go ye therefore and teach all nations meaning I understand our great need to convert people, but you know, it's quite obvious when you look at it, our society is that no one is teaching people, you know, and, and I think that the teaching is just as important because the teaching lays a foundation for conversion. And even if a person doesn't, you know, accept God at that meaning, at least I've taught them how to live. So, teaching someone how to care for their family, teaching someone how to hold a job, teaching someone how to handle their finance, teaching someone how to love their children, you know, teaching someone how to study scripture. You know what I mean? Teaching someone how to sit, how to even sit in church. You know what I mean? You know, it, it, it's teaching. I mean, and so therefore it lays that ground, that ground or that foundation for change, you know, to, to come in and accept Christ and to get in there and have change, make it into your life. You know, and 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 I'm I'm a firm believer that you know that that people are only ignorant because no one takes the time to teach them. But if you've been held captive by fear, then you're afraid to engage people. You you always come up with a well, what if they reject me, or what if they do this to me, or what if they do that to me, what if they get here, what if that happen, what if that happen? You know what I mean? And then the other one, worry. Oh my goodness, worry, man, golly, if that isn't socially acceptable, you know what I mean? People come to my house all the time. And they, you know, they, they, they look up and they may say, oh, where are your children? And I say, oh, they, they're coming home from school. And they, oh, how do you get them? Oh, they're riding the bus. But aren't you afraid that, you know, they're on that bus? I said, I don't, I don't, I'm not afraid. You know, I, I don't worry about them. You know what I mean? You know, I, I don't worry. I mean, if they don't come home by midnight, I start to worry. But then and then I, sh- I shrug off worry and I turn worry into action. I, you know, and I, I say a prayer and cover them. I said, but what you have to realize is that, you know, the scriptures tell us that, uh, you know, worrying is a sin. <laughs> so I'm not going to worry. You know what I mean? And I, I think there's a thin line between concern and worry. We like to we like to jump across back and forth across that line to get there. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean that you don't care. You know what I mean? You do care. You know what I mean? But you, when, you, when it turns into a point where your thoughts, you know, override scripture, you know, when God tells you that, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll always be there with you. And then you start worrying that God, maybe God's not there. Maybe he's on vacation. You know, I got to do this and I have to do that. You know, I think that's when it crosses over and, and how it, and as a leader, you know, as God is calling you to be a leader, you know, the things that are holding you captive tend to get magnified. Right. You know, because Satan comes at leaders. I mean, he comes at leaders he comes at them and, and they don't really know or understand sometimes, you know, where, why they feel a certain way, but it gets magnified. You know, I had a friend of mine, he asked me, how can I pray for you? I said, man, pray for peace, man. Cause sometimes I get anxious over some things, you know, just small things I get anxious about. And, uh, and, and when I get anxious, I tend to make, you know, I tend to make dumb decisions, you know what I mean? So, so, you know, help me to stay calm, you know what I mean, and that I don't get anxious over it or I don't worry, you know, or become fearful and back away from certain situations, you know, and what I'm doing. So what, what God is calling us to is a life of faith and faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And and so as we as we adjust our lifestyle, as we 
as we uh, want to increase our faith and we, by listening to the word of God, you know, you know, I listened to this even before I, uh, I came on this radio station. I listen to this radio station all the time because, you know, I get to a point in my life where I love worship and I love praise and I really do. But, you know, the most important thing to me is, is the word. I love listening to that word. I love uh, digesting that word. I love I love love that and, and to hear that word to get in there because I need to increase my faith because there's some areas in my life that if I'm not careful, if I don't really, really keep a biblical mindset in what I'm doing, then what I find myself doing is I find myself succumbing to fear and to worry. You know, I don't care if it's in my finances. I don't care if it's, you know, I have nine children. You know, I got 12 grandchildren. You know what I mean? So I, I can have a lot to really, you know, worry about or or be concerned about or looking at and things there. And I have to really, really uh, allow myself to, to be strong. You know what I mean? And not strong in my own faith, but be strong in the Lord by by increasing my level of faith and, 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 and praying, just praying. You know, just praying, man, just praying, saying, Lord, I got to put this in your hand. I had to put that there. There's a story that always comes to mind to me when I'm when I'm thinking about, uh, well, not a story, but it's a set of verses that that kind of like my life verse it's in Proverbs twenty four ten. It says, "If you faint in your day of adversity, then your strength is small. If you faint in your day of adversity, then your strength is small. Meaning, adversity is going to come. Uh, you know, you welcome it, you enjoy it." You have fun with it. But on the flip side of the coin, if you faint in your day of adversity, then your strength is small. Meaning God knows what I can handle. That's laid out in, in, in Corinthians in 10 where it says he will give you no temptation you can't bear. The issue comes into the fact is that if you faint when you hit adversity, then your strength is small. Meaning you're not as strong as you thought you were. Your faith isn't as big as you thought it was. And so adversity comes in as a measuring stick for you, right? It comes in as a measuring stick for you. And when adversity comes in, you don't have to worry about fate because God won't allow anything to come in your life that you can't handle. So if it's in there, you can handle it. You know, you, you can whine about when nobody else is going through this or you can act like you're Job, Job Jr. And, uh, and, 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 and build up your case for yourself. But the thing about it is, is that God believes you can handle it. And and I think in the formation of a leader, you know, uh, it, it's very key and important that you have points of adversity, points of trying, right? And and in raising my children, uh, me and my wife would battle over this because I would create adverse situations for my children. And my wife said, why are you causing them stress? You know, she wanted to their life to be nice and calm and playful and everything like that. And then I, w- I would allow that to a point and then I would come in and bring adversity and just to see where they were so they can see where they were. And, uh, and, and I, I told her this, you know, as I tell all my kids, I don't raise prince, princes and princesses. I say, cause princes and princesses need a king. I don't want them to need me. I said, I raise king and queens. So therefore, they won't need me because every king got to have his own kingdom. And so they go out and start their own. And so you have to understand that in the making of a leader, are you making leaders that are there to follow you and be dependent on you and only function because they're with you? Or are you raising up people who can function and go on their own? You know what I mean? 
you know, you listen to Isaiah 61, the radio ministry of Spirit of the Lord Church. I'm Pastor Joe Sutton. Uh, we're coming up on our break. Uh, after the break, we'll come back and uh, talk about fear and worry. And uh, as they hold, I hold it our leaders captive. Uh, love you. Stay tuned. Spirit of the Lord Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church impacting North Minneapolis and the greater Twin Cities. Emphasizing the four pillars of godly thinking, training up godly children, godly marriages, and outreach to the community, Spirit of the Lord has quickly become a staple to some of the people who need God the most. As they focus on Jesus Christ, grace and truth bind them together to become God's best. Join them for service every Sunday morning at 1030 at 1001 Penn Avenue North in Minneapolis. Spirit of the Lord Church, a proud sponsor of Isaiah 61. If it was 1990, you'd be listening to your favorite radio station on a bulky boombox that burns through D batteries faster than you can say you've got mail. Thankfully, it's the 21st century, and there are much better alternatives. For example, just ask Alexa to tune in. Alexa, play the Mission Minneapolis. Throw out that old beeper and get with the times. Listen to your favorite AM 980 The Mission Bible Teachers and Ministries with Alexa and Amazon Echo. Hands in the air, make a little noise in the stands if you're there. Brag on the guy, man, if you're there, only if you're there. That'll be sweet. What if when you brag? Hey, welcome back to Isaiah 61. Radio Ministry Spirit of Lord Church. Hey, as always, you know, always invite you out to service at 1030 on a Sunday. You know, just having a good time. Uh, You know, know, our our goal and our mission is to... uh, you know, heal the brokenhearted, preach that good news, set captives and prisoners free. You know what I mean? And we've been doing that in North Minneapolis for a long time. Uh, church has, has been around uh, 27 years. I've been going to the church for 23 years. And, uh, you know, it's just started out sitting in the pew. And next thing you know, I'm I'm, I'm behind the pulpit, you know what I mean? Doing, doing those things. So always open and always welcome. Uh, also, uh, this is our time of year that, uh, we start preparing for our summer program. Our summer program is is uh, for kids uh, who can read a little, usually around five or six, all the way up to age 14. And uh, so we meet every day from uh, 9 to 5 at 1001 Penn. Do that there. In the morning, we cover reading, writing, math. Uh, afternoon, we have chapel. And then we do the sport of the week, whatever that sport is. Fridays is a field trip day. We take a field trip. We go someplace in the city and and uh, have fun and learn. Usually it's around water because it's hot in the summer, so we find a place with water. We also on Fridays have our our our, our guest speaker come in who shares their career. You know what I mean? So uh, and we do that through the week also. So if you uh, would like to share your career with some young people in the inner city. Uh, you can just give me a call or, or hit me on my email coming through there. Uh, my my the, email is three deep leadership number three deep leadership dot com, and that's where uh, you can email me through there. Or you know you can always call me at six one two two five one five seven one seven. That's it. So back to our our subject for the day. You know, and and looking at developing leaders and 
and and and the two things that I want to talk about that hinder or hold a leader captive. And and when I say leader, I believe everyone's a leader. We're leading one, we're leading five, we're leading 30, whatever you're leading, you know what I mean? You're a leader, but it's worry and fear. And uh, and worry has become so acceptable, you know what I mean? To, you know, in, in the round, the body, and you want to say something, ah, oh, where is the sin? Well, you know, it's just, you know, you know, God gives you five senses and you got in and just like that. And, and sometimes I wonder, what do I do when I don't worry? You know, uh, you know, my son, uh, last week <laughs> did something that only a teenager could do. Right. He, you know, he, we have Bible study. He goes downstairs to use the restroom and decides he's going to lay down and take it lay down on the stage and listen to Bible study through the floor. And uh, so he lays down on the stage and goes to sleep. And my wife is the kind of wife with mother when she says, I'm leaving everybody to the car. And if they ain't in the car, she leaves. <laughs> so he wasn't in the car. She left. And uh, everybody left the church, locked the church up. And I said, where's where, where, where's he at? And she said, like, oh, you know, I guess he's still at the church. And I was like, for real? And so I call, you know, as call his brother. And you left the church last. Was he there? He said, I don't know. I didn't see him. And so, you know, I was making my midnight run to the post office to drop off the last of the tax returns I was doing. So I stopped by the church. And just as I pull up in front of the church, my phone rings. It's him. Can somebody come let me out the church? I'm locked in the church, you know. <laughs> You know, the thing about it was is that, you know, my wife my wife was like, she wouldn't even care. She's ready to go to bed. I say, I say, you left your son there and you, she say, Look, he's seventeen years old, you know how to walk home. You know what I mean? She was laying down, she's going to sleep. And in my mind it flashed, I was like, I say, Well, what is the difference between being concerned and worrying? You know what I mean? Am I concerned for where my son is and he's jumping out the window of the church because our church is dead boated? Only way out is jump out the window. Is he jumping out the window of church? Is he walking? Is he going to have to walk 40 some blocks home? You know, which he's done before because he's, he's he's done something crazy. But I said, you know, but then at the same time, he's locked in the church. So why am I worried? You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's a safe place. You know what I mean? He's, he's alone with God and the angels. So I, I, I pull up outside and I, I play with him on the phone like I was, wasn't going to leave home and come get him. And I walked in there and got him and. And then we went down to the post office, made our little, made my last little tax drop, and and I asked him, "What were you doing?" He said, "Well, I was tired and I was listening through the floor, and then I didn't hear it no more. And he slept till eleven twenty. <laughs> he went to sleep at six thirty. <laughs> he left at eleven twenty. You know, but but I wasn't worried. Was I concerned? Yeah, because I didn't know. You know, he got to go to school tomorrow. You know, I, I mean, somebody got to get up and let him out of." The, let him out of the church, right? You know, otherwise he won't be at school tomorrow. And uh, and so it's always that thin line, but you can't allow it to hold you captive when God has called you to do something. You know, uh, Gideon, and I close with this, Gideon, you know, was fearful or worrying, you know, when he got there and he he kept asking God for a sign. He kept asking God for please, Lord, if you do this, Lord, if you do that, you know, I'm the least of all the tribes and I'm the weakest of the weak, you know, just he kept coming up with these things. And God knew that inside Gideon was the leader that he needed to win this battle, even to the point where he trimmed his men down. I mean, here, you take a guy who didn't have much faith and then you send most of the troops home. 
You know what I mean? Oh man, this, this is just, he's like, you know, he's, I know he was sitting there like, oh, this is a suicide mission, right? You know, but at the end of the thing, you know, God had increased his faith to the point that he realized that it wasn't him when they wanted to make him king. He said, no, you know, because he realized it's not me. You know what I mean? You know, and he, he, he learned a valuable lesson there that you can do more through faith and obedience to God than you can do by your own level of reasoning. Don't allow your education. Don't allow your social status. Don't allow your past, right, to dictate the future that God has for you. You know, God has called you to do great things. And those great things might be just raising the next leader. It doesn't mean you're going to have your name in the paper and or everybody's going to know your name and everything like that. No, you could just be instrumental in bringing up the next Billy Graham or bringing up the, the next Louis Palau or whoever you, you might raise up and disciple. But don't allow fear to keep you away from what you need to do. And don't allow his cousin worry to come in either and hold you captive. Be set free today. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Walk in his spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Talk to you next week. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.